You know, we sang that song, and I and I hope that you really leaned into the lyrics. And I just want to I want to just read them to you real quick. Man of sorrows, Lamb of God, by His own betrayed, the sin of man, in the wrath of God, has been on Jesus laid. Listen to the truth of those words. Silent as he stood, accused, beaten, mocked, and scorned, bowing to the Father's will, he took a crown of thorns. And the and the chorus is. Oh, that rugged, rugged cross, my salvation, where your love poured out over me. Now my soul cries out, hallelujah, praise and honor unto thee. Sent of heaven God's own Son to purchase and redeem and reconcile the ones, the very ones who nailed him to that tree. And then the bridge. Now my debt is paid. It is paid in full. By the precious blood that my Jesus spilled. Now the curse of sin has no hold on me. Whom the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. See, the stone is rolled away. Behold the empty tomb. Hallelujah, God be praised. He's risen from the grave. When I was in Israel, we went to a place where there's always a couple of places, but there was a place where they believed this is where Jesus was laid, the grave. And when you walk in, it's empty, thank God. It's empty. And there's a door, and when you turn around to leave, on the door it says, Hallelujah, He is risen. Our debt has been paid. Please, someone stand and give me news that tops that news. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. We, we read these lyrics, we sing these lyrics that says that God has graciously poured out His love on each and every one of us. And our debt has been paid full. Your debt has been paid full. I think sometimes we don't really understand or fathom or realize what that truly means. The wrath of God resting on us is now no longer. That God loves us. That God is, has redeemed us. God has reconciled us back to Himself. The debt has been paid. And nothing that I could do, nothing that you could do, but only by the blood of Jesus Christ. A man, a, a, a part of the Godhead that said, I will go and I will take on flesh and I will become one of them. Guys, I can't think of better news to stand here and communicate to you on this Sunday morning in January. But for some... We lose sight of that news. For some, we don't grab the gravity of it. For some, we don't, we don't, it does, it goes unrealized. We don't embody it. And our lives become kind of complacent. Our lives become sort of, um, just kind of mundane. Even though we say that we're Christ followers, we don't walk around as if our debt has been paid in full. We get wrapped up in the minutia of the temporary world that we live in versus the eternal world. And we lose the communication of what the Word says, right? We're going to be going through a book called Hebrews, a letter called Hebrews. And I want to get, we're going to spend some time in this letter. And I want us, we're really going to pick it apart. We're going to go through it very slowly. So if, uh, if this is something that uh, is going to get on your nerves, uh, the next few weeks is going, are going to get on your nerves, okay? But to my point, 
things get lost in communication. Things get, get lost in translation. And when they get lost, that's when bad things happen. That's exactly what we're talking about with the Hebrew letter. This church lost, or this, this, this group of people lost the truth. They, they, they begin to lose the, the, the sight and understanding of who Jesus was. They begin to lose sight of understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what Jesus, who, what the work of Jesus Christ. When you read through the book of, or the letter, I'm sorry, when you read through the letter of Hebrews, it does an incredible job of lifting up Jesus and saying, this is who Jesus is. Let's not forget him. And the letter does an incredible job magnifying and bringing glory once again to Jesus Christ in the work that He has done on the cross. But when we lose sight of that, that's when we get discouraged. That's when we get depressed. That's when we start living mundane, complacent lives. That's when we walk around as Christians as if we just lost our best friend yesterday, right? And again, I get it. Communication is everything. We lose sight of our communication translation, okay? We lose sight of what God has said. We speak different languages. It's no lie that men and women speak different languages, right? If you've been married for a while or dating, you begin to realize, not dating because we're still in that puppy phase, right? But when we become married, you begin to realize, I don't understand what language you're speaking at times, right? Real quick, let me just share with you very quickly for some of you that may not understand that men and women speak different language, okay? Men, this is for you. I need you to tune in, okay? If you don't get anything else out of this sermon, but you pick up on that women speak differently in this part, and you're married, this is going to do you wonders, okay? And this is a free, free of charge, ready? So I'm going to share with you, and you've probably heard some of this, but I'm going to share with you women's language and what it truly means, okay? Because we lose sight of that, right, men? When a woman says yes, it means no, okay? When a woman says no, it means yes. When a woman says maybe, it means no. When a woman says we need, it means I want, right? When a woman says I'm sorry, it means you'll be sorry. When a woman says we need to talk, it means you're in trouble, okay? When a woman says, sure, go ahead, it really means you better not. When a woman says, do what you want, it means you're going to pay for that later. And when a woman says, I'm upset, it really means, of course I'm upset, you moron. And when she says, you're very attentive tonight, she's really saying, is making out all you ever think about, okay? Men, okay, women, this is how men think. Are you ready? You already know, right? When a man says, I'm hungry, it means I'm hungry. When a man says, I'm sleepy, it means I'm sleepy. When he says, I'm tired, it means I'm tired. When he says, the nice, you have a nice dress, it means you have a nice body. You have a nice, you're very attractive. When it means I love you, he says, I, I, I want to, I want to kiss. When he says, I'm bored, it means, can we kiss, right? It means, may I have this dance, it means I want to kiss you, all right? Can I call you sometime really means I want to kiss you. When it mean, when he says, do you want to go to a movie, it means I want to kiss you, right? And can I take you out to dinner means I want to kiss you, right? Men are very complicated, all right? 
guys, I'm joking, okay? Take a deep breath, all right? I don't need you to come up afterwards and say that was really demeaning, okay? It's a joke. It's just an illustration, all right? Um, We have a complaint department for you to refer to afterwards, okay? And it's not my email or my phone number, all right? The point is this. We do. We speak different languages. We communicate uh, differently. And it's not about... It's not about men and women. Um, that's not what it's about. It means there are times, even in our spiritual walks, we lose sight of the truth. You lose sight of what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus in the work of the cross. We lose sight of that. We lose sight of the realities of what, of what Jesus has, has, uh, has said, or what he says. And we're going to look at Hebrews uh, verses 1 through 3. And let's look at that. Let's look at those few verses here this morning. Uh, Before we continue on, it says this. Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets. And at different times and in different ways. Okay? Already we're getting into different styles of communication, right? The author says, long ago, God spoke to the fathers. How? By the prophets. That's one. At different times, there's another way, and in different ways. Verse 2, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. And then in verse 3, the son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Now, I want you to lean into just these three verses as we look at this morning in the letter, of the, of the letter to the Hebrews. But again, this letter is written to some individuals that are very disgruntled. They're upset. They're going back to their old ways. They're going back to their old ways, and we'll talk about that here in a few moments. But initially, what has happened, the crux of the problem is they have lost sight of Jesus. They have lost sight of who he is. They've lost sight of what He has done, His work. They've lost sight of Him. And any time we lose sight of Jesus, are you listening? Make note of this. Make note. Any time you lose sight of Jesus, you are going to end up in despair. Period. Bank on it. Take it. Bet everything you've got on that truth, on that reality. You lose sight of who Jesus is, you're going to revert back to your old humanness, your old way of thinking, your old patterns. They may not be sinful, they may be sinful. Some of us, the problem is, we haven't realized that truth yet in our hearts, in our minds. We, we hear it. We come on a Sunday and we hear it time and time and time and time again, but in reality, We have not embraced that truth yet. It goes unrealized. We have yet to have the spiritual ears or the awakening or the whatever you want to call it where we take that truth and we begin to embrace it to understand when I lose sight of who Jesus is, that's when I'm going to start becoming discouraged and frustrated. That's when I spend time in the minutia. That's when I start looking around the horizontal level and I spend all of my time diverted on things and my attention on things that really don't matter instead of the eternal things. Why is it so important? For starters, God is a personal God. 
God is communicating to us. God the Father is attempting to communicate to us. That's what Hebrews is saying. Hebrews is saying that God is a God that loves us. God is a God that just didn't create the world and stand back and say, Hey guys, good luck, man. Go at it. Although some of us live that way. God isn't a God who divorces himself from the daily the daily grindings of our lives or the things that's happening within our lives. That's not a God. That's not who he is. God is a very, very personal God and he chooses to communicate to each and every one of us. Down through the ages, he ha- he's used various means in which he speaks to his people. Okay? He has used various means. Take a quick cursory glance through the Old Testament and you see various ways God communicated to his people. Number one, he created, he, he, he communicated to his people through creation. How many of you, I was driving in this morning and it was kind of, kind of where the sun was just beginning to come up or maybe just a little bit afterwards, but it just illuminated the sky and it was just brilliant with the colors. And, and you look at it and, and it just screams creation. It just screams that there's a God. It just screams that God is alive, that there is a God that created all these things. God has used creation down through the ages to communicate to people. When you stand and you look at different things within this creation, in this world, and it just becomes overwhelming in your senses, but you look at it and you realize there is a God. There's got to be a God that has put all this together. There's no way this can happen by chance. And God has communicated. Paul says that God has communicated through his creation in Romans. And he says that some, even though God has communicated, they choose still not to recognize that there's a God. God communicates through creation. He communicated to his people in the Old Testament through people like Moses. Remember Moses leading the people. And God met with Moses and God communicated himself to Moses to say, Moses, I want you to share these things with the people. This is who my people are. This is the people that I am drawing out. This is the nation that is, that this is, this is my nation. These, you are my people. You are my chosen ones. And God used Moses as a mouthpiece to communicate to his people. God uses various individuals. God used priests and kings and all kinds of different things to communicate to people throughout the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we read that God now speaks to us through Jesus Christ. God is a personal God. God chooses to communicate to each and every one of us. God isn't some abstract thought process. God is an individual that is very much personal. And He chose to use the third, the, 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 the second part of the Godhead, even through the power of the Holy Spirit, but He uses to use Jesus Christ to speak to us. Look again to the Scriptures. It says, in these last days, which often means now, in these last days, He has spoken to us how? By His Son. By His Son. God has appointed Him heir of all things and made the universe through Him. And then it says the Son is the radiance of God's glory. Last month in December, we celebrated Christmas. Christmas is the screaming 
great news that God is with us. That God became incarnate. That God became flesh. And remember reading about Jesus. And when Jesus walked this earth, he made this, he made this statement to one of his disciples. All of the disciples were sitting there. But one of his disciples said, you know, how do we know where you're going? Or a question about the Father. And Jesus said this about the Father. He said this, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's God talking to you. It's God talking to us. When we read about Jesus, when we pray to Jesus, when we, when we look and see how Jesus interacted with his people, it is God the Father screaming out to us, I love you. I am a personal God that wants a personal intimate relationship with every single one of you. Guys, how does that not just flood your soul this morning in an overwhelming way. How do we become complacent with that message that says, eh, what else do you have, God? God, the one that could have wiped us off, this just we wouldn't even have been a thought. The one that could have just said, you know what? You don't deserve any of this. So the heck with you. The heck with you. Figure it out yourself. And then existence becomes what we just experience on a daily basis, and that's it. When it's done, it's done. But God, being a personal God, says, I love you. And you know what's very interesting, guys? What's very interesting is that we read in the Bible that the plan of salvation was thought of before the foundation of the world was ever laid. The plan of salvation. What's the plan of salvation? That God was going to send His Son, Jesus Christ, to do what? To pay for your stinking sins. And my sins. And that was thought of before the foundation of the world? Let me ask you a question. Who's sitting in here as a parent would say, you know what? I'm willing, before I even create my child, I'm willing to to pay an exorbitant price before I even do it. You know, I'm going to lose my child, but I'm going to create a problem before I even do it. And I, I don't believe God created a problem. But when God created things, He knew that there's going to be a separation between man and Himself. And He knew that His wrath was going to rest on mankind. He, mankind meaning all people, guys. We got, Let's not fall into our society here, okay? I'm not, let's not fall into our society of the way we use words. When I see mankind, I'm talking about all mankind. I'm talking about all human beings, male, female, whatever, whoever it is, right? But God said, I will love each and every one. I'm going to provide a way to reconcile their, them back to me so they don't have to spend eternity separated from me. God said, I will provide a way. You want to talk about a personal God speaking to us and screaming out love. Listen to this, though. So he sends Jesus, right? He sends Jesus and representing himself. He sends Jesus representing the radiance of who he is. As Jesus walked this earth, what did he do? He reached out to the outcasts. He went to the people that needed him. He went to the people that received him. He went to the people that, that, that needed, needed hope that needed love, that needed something. And he went to these individuals where other men, other men and women had just outcast these other people. 
Jesus went to them and He spoke to them and He touched them and He healed them and He forgave them and He loved them. Talk about a personal God. And He accomplished this through the purification of a word that you and I and our society abhors today. A word called sin. We loathe that word. Please don't ever tell me that I'm broken. Please don't ever tell me that I fall short of the mark. Please don't ever tell me that. The Bible says that God came, that God, this personal God, the Father, comes to us in these last days, has spoken to us by His Son, and God has appointed Him heir over all things, made the universe through Him, and the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of His nature, sustaining all things through His powerful Word, after making, after making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. I want you to listen to these words. After, after making, after making the purification of sins. What did he do? What did he do through our reading? He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. In the English, in our culture today, we kind of miss out on that. We say, oh yeah, absolutely he sat down on the mat because he was God, he was God the Son. Absolutely he was. Absolutely he was. He, he lived a perfect life. Do you know how the Jews read this? You know how the Jews read this? At least the Messianic Jews or someone, the Son, the radius, the, the, this is, the, this is how the author intended this to say. After making the purification of sins, meaning that all things aren't right, meaning that, hey, the way you were born is not okay, meaning that we're born into a broken world, meaning that we're born into sin, meaning that we're born broken, but yet He came and He redeemed us. He came and He purified us of our sins, the purification of sins, which means the past, the present, and the future sins. He did those things. He lived a perfect life, and He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He sat down. He sat down. You know what that means? It's finished. For him, for the author to say he sat down means it is over. The battle, the war has been won. Your purifications, my purifications of sins, the past, the present, the future is done. They are done. It has been forgiven. It's finished. It's nothing that I can do. It's nothing that you can do. It's nothing that we are, that we have to deserve or any of that. It's this personal God sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to the cross to redeem mankind to Himself and live the life to be able to be restored back into heaven and Sit down. That's it. I don't have any more good news for you. If that doesn't reach down into the bowels of your spiritual excitement and doesn't get you excited this morning, guys, please go and spend some time with God. 
through the power of prayer and in his presence. Because it doesn't get any better than that. Jesus Christ has done it. And the author of Hebrews is saying, hey guys, there's not really any reason to be distracted here. It's done. That's why when we look at sin, sin is unjust. And I get, why didn't we use the word distrust? We're going to get distracted with that. Sin is untrust because it leads to disobedience. You see, when God leads, this is, this is the part, this is what sin does. Sin says, yeah, okay, yeah, God purified me. God has set, you know, Jesus sat down. But then when it comes to our daily walk, tomorrow, when you go out into your world and you are faced with certain decisions, either to bring God glory or not bring God glory, either to, to, to allow God to lead you, either like Luke 6 or 9, wherever Jesus says, he says, he makes the statement, he says, deny yourself daily, pick up your cross and follow me. When we choose not to deny ourselves daily and we make it about me, when I make it about Gail, that's off the mark. That's off the mark. That's called disobedience. God's asking us to trust him. And when we don't trust him, that's when we lose sight of the truth of what the author of this letter is so magnificently saying. He's saying there is hope. Hebrews 10, 14 says this. It talks about the sanctification of sins. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. That's you and I. We have been sanctified of our sins. We have been forgiving. We are now able to, tr- we trust, we pick up our, we deny ourselves, we pick up our crosses daily, and we follow him. And this is what it is. It becomes a message of love. This isn't a message of do's and don'ts. This isn't a message. This is why it becomes crazy when we take this awesome message, just like the Hebrews, when they they lost sight of this, when they lost sight of this message, they brought it down, they reduced it down to this do and don't type stuff. Well, this is what I do. This is what I don't do. They don't do. This is what they, we start falling into this category of do's and don'ts that just sucks the life right out of us because it's not what this, it has nothing to do with what God is so is just so lavishly showering us with and blessing us with. This is a message of love that says, "I love you," and I'm, I, I am, I. This is an absolute message of love and forgiveness, and it's also a message of hope, which says this: "I blew it last Thursday, but praise God, He forgives me, and I'm able to." Pick up, I'm able to, he's, he puts my feet back on the rock again so that I can walk again and continue to move. Even when I blow it, even when I don't deny myself, even when I slip, even when I fall, I don't have to sit and be crucified that God loves me, that it's a message of hope. And this is where, guys, this is where we, this is where it takes hold within our lives, where we begin to congregate with one another, where we begin to associate ourselves with other other individuals that says this, hey, I'm in need of, of, of help here. I'm in need with my walk. I want to learn how to deny myself. I want to learn how to, to live a life that, 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 that just brings God glory. I want to learn how to live a life that, 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 that when people look at me, they see someone that's so in love with Christ. Not that I'm perfect, but that I'm so in love with Christ. 
Is that what they see when they look at when they look at it? But it's a message of love. It's a message of hope. It's not a message of condemnation. Condemnation. It's not a message of you know what it is that I can do or can't do or anything like that. It's the message of what God has done for us, in us, through us, and we have Christ living inside of us. Hopefully, we have Christ living inside of us. Does that make sense? This letter was written to individuals like you and I that have. That hopefully that, that, that have received God's gift of grace and salvation and mercy, but we've gotten lost. We've gotten deterred. We've gotten, we've gotten off the path in a sense. We may not be sinning. We may be sinning. We may have fallen into big sin. Where we need, we need that love and that hope that restores us back that says, look, this isn't the way my life has been called to live. But, but, it's a message. It's a message going out to people that says, "This is a personal God that absolutely loves us." And when we lose sight of that, we lose sight of having a life that is filled full of hope and love and peace and joy. Does that make sense? That's when you get stuck in the minutia. That's when everything becomes a burr to you. That's when you just kind of walk around. You get sucked into the gossip. You get sucked into all these other things. Instead of just being full of hope and joy and love that's going to radiate from you because Christ is living in and through you where you're denying yourself, you're picking up your cross, and you're following Him daily. As the worship team comes back, we're going to close with a couple songs. As always, I pray that you would just use this opportunity as a time of response. Maybe you're sitting in here this morning and you know that this is what you, 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 you can identify more with the Hebrews at this point, where you've kind of lost sight. You've kind of lost sight of this, the, the, the incredible news, the, the, the gospel, this, this personal shout of God saying, you know, I love you. I've done this for you. This isn't based upon you, but I've done this for you. And maybe you've lost that. Maybe you just want to come and pray. We'd love to pray with you. Whatever. Pray where you're at. It doesn't matter. But I pray that you would use this time to possibly renew yourself, rekindle yourself. For those of you that, 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 that get it, that understand it, that right now you're living in a moment where things are clicking along, I pray that you would quietly pray into your breath for in, other individuals that may need a special touch from God this morning. I pray that you would pray that spiritual eyes would be opened, that hearts of individuals that have been walking around with blind hearts that maybe today's the day the eyes of their hearts are opened and this incredible love of God would just fill them in a way that they realize, man, this is what I've been missing all along. Would you do that as we stand, as you stand, and let me lead us into that word of prayer. <clears throat> Father, you are such a loving God and so in various times we just can lo easily lose sight of it. Father, I know that our salvation cannot be touched by the enemy. I get it. I know it. But I tell you what, there's times where I'm surely not living in the beauty and the love and the hope of that message. Where I get distracted. Where I get focused on the temporary. Where the temporary becomes monumental. Where the temporary begins to, to cloud and distort my thinking. Father, I pray that, you, that if there are those in here this morning that just like these Hebrews, they lost sight of you. They lost sight of the power of the resurrection.
They lost sight of the work that you've done on the cross. They lost sight of, of this incredible love that you have displayed to us. Would you bring that to our minds again? Father, would you renew us here this morning? Would you refill us? Would you allow our cups to just overflow once again? Father, if there are those that haven't placed their trust and, and faith in you, Father, I pray that they would receive this incredible gift of salvation. I pray that they wouldn't see it as something that's going to bring them down, but instead it's going to lift them up and make them fully alive. And Father, those of us that have been made fully alive, could we live in that reality too so that others could see that instead of some counterfeit way? Father, we pray that you would just use this time to draw us to you. Let us connect with you. Let us reconnect with you. Let us just be just overwhelmed by your presence here this morning. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray these things. Amen.